Well, this morning as we look at the Word of God together, I would like you to turn to the New Testament book of Romans. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 will be our text this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles beneath or in the rack in the seat before you or should be somewhere along your aisle there. Or if you don't know how to use a Bible this morning, you can just follow along. I will read everything that I'm going to share with you. My prayer this morning is that we as a body of believers would grasp the sacredness of moments like this. We are reading and looking at the very words of God. And we have a great responsibility to listen, to have hearts that are prepared, that are open, that are receptive. There is not only preaching, but there is receiving. And we as a collective body of believers this morning as the church of our Lord Jesus Christ have come before the living God to hear from him because God still speaks. He speaks through his word and his Holy Spirit takes that word and illuminates it in our hearts and minds. This Thanksgiving season, I have chosen to focus, at least in our morning services, on one attribute of God for the whole month, and that attribute is God's mercy. The only reason we have salvation today is because God is merciful. The only reason we are able to live the Christian life today is because God is merciful. The only reason we will be in the presence of Jesus when we die someday is because our God is a merciful God. The working definition that I'm using for this particular short series is one by R.C. Sproul, and he explains God's mercy this way. Mercy is an unexpected love and generosity that cannot be showered upon us as something owed. Because mercy that is owed is not mercy, but obligation. It can be given only to those in a desperate situation who cannot help themselves and lack the capability to earn or pay it back. And there is no better way to describe our situation apart from Christ than utterly and hopelessly desperate. It is that middle sentence that I want us to focus on this month that can be given, mercy can be given only to those in a desperate situation who cannot help themselves and lack the capability to earn or pay it back. The overarching passage for this whole month is Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5. Just a good reminder to all of us, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead, in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Our God is rich in mercy. And because he is rich in mercy, when we, when we were dead in our sins, he, he made us alive together with Christ. Two weeks ago we looked at the thief on the cross. This morning we are going to look at just one verse, one glorious, one great verse, and that is Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me read through verse 4 there. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for our sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. But it is that first verse that I want to penetrate our hearts and our minds this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, our first point this morning is a glorious mercy. I think all of us would agree, those who know Christ as Savior, who have received him as Savior and Lord, that the Christian life is filled with struggles and can cause us to doubt God's love and to doubt our salvation. Even though we know Christ, still, in this life we have struggles, we suffer, we go through times of hardship, we face times of intense temptation. There are times because of our actions we feel shame and we feel guilt and we wonder, does God still love me? Can he still love me after what I've been thinking, after what I've done? Am I really saved? How can a person who knows Christ think the things that I've thought and say the things that I've said? Now, forgive me for the very obvious this morning, but Romans chapter 8 follows Romans chapter 7. And we're grateful for that. Because in Romans chapter 7, we have what, especially the last part of that chapter, what has been called Paul's autobiography of his experience as a Christian believer, his struggles as a believer in Christ. John Piper calls the last part of Romans 7 the divided man, where Paul says, the very things I know I should do, I don't do. And the very things I know I shouldn't do, I do. And then he comes to the end of the chapter and says, oh, wretched, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ our Lord. Then Romans 8.1. Then Romans 8.1. But we need to know this morning, it is important for us to know that you can be a mature Christian as the Apostle Paul was and still struggle in your walk with Christ. And that's why we need the promises like this in Romans 8.1 because we do struggle. All Christians struggle in this fallen, sinful World, And we think of the threefold enemy that we constantly do battle with, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Oh, this world can be so alluring sometimes, so attractive. And we are tempted by it. And then there are the cravings, the sinful cravings of our flesh that war within us. Wanting to do things we know we shouldn't do. To think things we know we shouldn't think. 
And then there is the devil. And the great battle of spiritual warfare that we looked at not too long ago at the end of Ephesians chapter 6 with the armor of God. And so we find ourselves in this constant battle. And so we need to know in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of this conflict that goes on in every one of our lives, we need to know there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Every believer, those who are in Christ Jesus are promised that there is therefore now no condemnation. If you've ever studied the book of Romans before as a whole, you may know that Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 marks a major shift in the book of Romans. Verse 1 is actually not just a follow-up to chapter 7, but it is a follow-up to chapters 1 through 7 of the book of Romans. So it is the great transition in chapters 1 through 7 of the book of Romans, Paul lays out his argument, his foundation for what is known as justification by faith alone, our salvation, being justified before God, standing clean before God by faith alone in the accomplished work of Christ on the cross. And it all comes to us solely and only by grace apart from human merit, apart from human work. And so he lays out this great argument and then says therefore based on chapters 1 through 7 there is therefore now no condemnation God's salvation is based on Christ's perfect sacrifice on the cross and on that alone as I shared with you two weeks ago salvation comes by faith alone in the death and resurrection of Christ plus nothing, plus nothing. There is nothing I can add to it. There is nothing I should try to add to it. Salvation comes by faith alone in the death and resurrection of Christ. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, For what I received I passed on to you is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. Folks, that's the gospel. That is the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And in his death, burial, and resurrection, he accomplished everything. For your salvation. Nothing can or should be added to it. And for those who place their trust in Christ and what he has done on their behalf, there is therefore now no condemnation. The word condemnation here is a very important word for this verse and for the rest of the book of Romans. The word condemnation is not Primarily a reference to the sentence of eternal punishment and condemnation, although it does refer to that. But condemnation here refers to the actual eternal 
punishment and judgment itself. It's not just saying you will be judged. This is the judgment. The eternal condemnation for those who do not know Christ, who will suffer eternal torment in hell forever if they do not know Christ, apart from Christ. So it refers to that suffering itself. And that is important for us in this passage because there is therefore now no condemnation, no eternal punishment, no eternal judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Paul here announces the marvelous good news that for Christians, for those who are truly born again, and it is so important that you know you are truly born again, that you are trusting in nothing else for your salvation but Christ's death and resurrection. If you do, there will be no condemnation, no punishment for the sins that believers have committed or ever will commit. No condemnation. And so Paul starts out with verse 1, and then when we come to the end of Romans 8, in Romans 8, verses 31 through 34, Paul declares, based upon all of this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. I want you to think carefully about the questions he asks here. Because they are meant for you. They are meant for me. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who is to condemn? Who is to condemn us? If the highest court in the entire universe has said of you not guilty, no condemnation, how can we think otherwise? Who can bring any charge against us? And if you're familiar with Romans 8, I don't have it in this screen passage, but Paul goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he tells us that nothing, nothing in all the universe, nothing in heaven, nothing on earth shall ever separate us from the love of Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As you can imagine, this great truth in verse 1 has some glorious outcomes. There are many, but I'm going to highlight just three of them this morning. I want you to think with me biblically and logically. What is the outcome of verse 1? And that is really what Romans, the rest, verses excuse me, chapters 8 through 16 is all about. It is about the outcome of what has been declared in chapters 1 through 7. So our second point is three glorious outcomes. Number one, you are eternally secure. You are eternally secure. You can never lose your salvation 
if you are a believer in Jesus Christ because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You need to know that. If you know him as Savior, if you are truly born again, if you have received him as Savior and Lord, you can't lose that. Because there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel. What God demands, God supplies. That's the good news of scripture. What God demands, God supplies. God demands a perfect sacrifice for sin. He demands someone who has never sinned in thought or word or deed. He demands someone who has never ever sinned in thought or word or deed who will then be punished for those who constantly sin in their thoughts, their words, and their deeds. And of course, that perfect sacrifice, that perfect lamb, that spotless lamb is Jesus Christ himself. And so he lays all of our sins all of our wrong upon his son. And his son, unbelievably, becomes our substitute. He takes our place. He is punished thoroughly and completely for every one of your sins. And when you choose to repent of your sin and to receive him as your savior, everything he does on the cross is then applied to you. God demands, God supplies. Let me say it this way. If a true child of God ever goes to hell, then God is a liar. If a true child of God ever goes to hell, then God is a liar. You are eternally secure. Second, you are no longer a slave to sin. We're focusing on verse 1, but look at verse 2. It says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. You are no longer in bondage to your past. Wondering if your past sins are going to catch up with you someday. And I know... I know that a lot of us struggle with this. We do. There is something in your past, something that you've done. And though you've received Christ as Savior and you know intellectually that you are a child of God, that you have been adopted into the family of God, there is still that gnawing in your soul that someday God's going to get you for what you did in the past. And I want you to know this morning, he's not going to get you. He's not. You are set free. You are free. Your sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. They are buried in the depths of the deepest sea, never, ever, ever to be brought up again. You are free. Whatever your past is this morning, you have been set free. And know this. Because you are free, because you will not be condemned, because he does not hold those sins against you. God doesn't have you on a performance standard in order to earn his favor and his grace. I want you to know, I want you to bask in this this morning.
God doesn't ask you to perform for him every day in order to get his love or receive his grace. You always get his love. You always get his grace. Now, don't misunderstand me. Yes, he wants us to obey him. He wants us to know the exhilarating thrill of the joy of the Lord, of walking in fellowship with him each day. But when we fail, when we sin, and we confess those sins, they are forgiven. They've already been forgiven. We practice confession as a means of having a joy-filled relationship on a constant basis. I want you to know this today no matter what you do he loves you tomorrow no matter what you do he loves you you have his grace today you will have his grace tomorrow and the next day and the next day he's not saying okay perform for me if you're a good boy if you're a good girl Then you'll get my love. Then you'll get my grace. No, he never does that. It's always there. It's unbelievable. We always live in the boundless grace of God. The truth of the gospel is that you have been set free. And sin is no longer your slave master. Sin used to be your slave master. It was constantly enslaving you to your sinful cravings. For you have been set free in Christ Jesus. And you have the overcoming power of the resurrected Christ living in you right now. You have the overcoming power of the resurrected Christ living in you right now. You can overcome through him any sin, any situation. And so when you face those hard temptations, when you go through those periods of doubt or depression or discouragement, it is to Christ that you run. It is to him that you cry out because in him you have the overcoming power. John MacArthur says, the divine life of Jesus is always pulsating through you. Oh, thank God for that. The divine Life of Jesus is always pulsating through you. Wow. You are no longer, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are eternally secure. You are no longer a slave to sin. And the third glorious outcome is this. You are positionally perfect before God. Right now. Right now. In fact, in, in Romans 8, 1, that word now is very important. There is therefore now. Now. Right now. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. And he credits you with all that Christ has accomplished when Christ died and rose again. And in those three hours of darkness took upon himself all the punishment for all sin of all time. 
It is now applied to all of those who believe in Christ, who trust him as Lord and Savior. So when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. And though practically we sin and struggle positionally before him, we are perfect. We are perfect as I have shared with you many times. Not only has he forgiven you of all your sin, but he has also clothed you in the very righteousness of Christ. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 What a glorious truth. You are not only clothed in the righteousness of Christ, you are clothed in the wisdom of Christ, the sanctification of Christ, and the redemption of Christ. It is all yours through him. You are in Christ Jesus. Remember in 2017, some of you will remember, I went through that series on discipleship and we went over and over again that great truth from Colossians 1, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of of glory. I want you to know this morning Jesus is not just with you. You are in him. Okay? He is not just with you. Oh yes, he is with you. He's always with you. But you're not it's not that he's just with you. You are in him. You are in Christ Jesus. And because God the Father is perfectly satisfied with his son because God the Father is perfectly satisfied with his son there is therefore now no condemnation for those for those who are in Christ Jesus one writer said this and maybe this will help some of you He said every Christian should take Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, write it out and put it somewhere where they can see it every day. Every day. Because, he says, Romans 8.1 is the foundation for all spiritual growth and progress in the Christian life. Romans 8.1, this is what he says, is the foundation for all spiritual growth growth and progress in the Christian life. You must believe what God says. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are eternally loved. You are forgiven. You are an adopted child of God no matter what you think or how you feel in Christ. You are his and he will never ever condemn his own. You may say, how can this be? How can we say that we are eternally secure? How can we say that we are no longer a slave to sin? How can we say that we are positionally perfect? And the answer is God's mercy. Because God is filled with mercy. 
And so this Thanksgiving season, amongst all the other things that we are thankful for, let us be thankful for his mercy. Because when we look at the cross of Christ and behold it in all of its beauty, we are overwhelmed that our God is a merciful, merciful God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to bathe ourselves in the mercy of God. To believe in your mercy. To live in your mercy. Father, we want to thank you this morning as a church that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank you that you do not judge and condemn us as we deserve, but rather you show us mercy. Boundless, everlasting mercy. Because we are in Christ Jesus, in whose name we always pray. Amen.